0: Welcome back to Jurassic Park Minute. Jurassic Park Minute was a fan podcast that chronicled and overanalyzed the classic 1993 film Jurassic Park Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And folks, we've come to it, the very final episode of Jurassic Park Minute. Minutes number 119 and 120. How are you feeling about all this today, Brady?
1: Man, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's... Movies by Minutes, is it's... Uh, Takes up so much of your life, so I think it's going to be nice to be able to breathe again. But I am going to miss dissecting this movie. I'm not lying. I'm yeah. going to miss everything about it.
0: It's been a real fun trip, uh, a real intellectual, uh, not challenge, but I guess journey to dissect this movie and talk about it. We've had some amazing guests on the show. Uh, you know, I loved having on actual paleontologists on here to talk about dinosaurs. Uh, you know, and, and the the things that this movie got right and wrong about them. And, uh, you know, it's it's been a lot of fun doing this. What's been your favorite moment of this whole thing so far?
1: Uh, yeah, I think, you know, overall, it's it's the same thing that I got out of Ghostbusters Minute, uh, which was the relationships, the, the people we've met, you know. Mm-hmm. That has been it. You know, being able to see and understand this movie in a new light is obviously the point of the show. So that is what I think I will be taking away from this whole experience the most. But I'm interested in in giving this movie some time, putting it aside, and then coming back to it maybe even in a few years, and seeing how I feel about it then. What's been your favorite uh, minute of the movie so You far? know,
0: we've had so many great guests on here, but I think having uh, Javiv, Jens, and Kai on to talk about actual paleontology was a real enlightening minute for me, uh, to think about the stuff that this movie gets wrong and gets right about paleontology, to a lot of misconceptions that I've had about you know dinosaurs and, and how they fit into... Uh, the world at large
1: having Ryan helped on as well to give kind of a very broad uh, you know idea of prehistoric life as well
0: well you want to go ahead and jump into this minute we can talk a little bit more about it and other stuff on the other side let's do it in the previous minute we saw the survivors escape in Hammond's Jeep as the minute ended we saw Grant walk Hammond back to the helicopter at minute 119 we open on John Hammond's amber-tipped cane Hammond is admiring the mosquito contained within the amber Hammond looks defeated. The camera pans over to show Ellie and Malcolm both sitting in silent reflection. The camera then pans across the helicopter to show Lex and Tim sleeping on Grant, who also has his eyes closed. Ellie smiles at Grant, who smiles back. Grant looks at the kids again and smiles once more at Ellie. Ellie and Grant both then glance out the helicopter window. At 1952, we cut to a shot of a flock of pelicans flying above the ocean. Grant tilts his head back and watches the pelicans fly. The engine helicopter takes the survivors away from Jurassic Park and into the sunset. And thus ends Jurassic Park. So last minute or yesterday on Thursday's episode, minute number 118, we were talking about John Hammond's kind of saying, you know, I so have I when Grant proposes to him that he's not going to endorse his park. Uh, And in this minute, I think we kind of get the other side of that when Grant had to take him and kind of like slowly shuffle him over to the helicopter to get him on. We kind of saw that defeated moment where he had looked back at the island and probably not really thinking about all of the investment monetarily that he had put into it, but that it was a project that had failed. And I think we get, you know, a little bit more of that in this minute, because the first thing we open up on is uh Hammond staring at that amber encased mosquito and just kind of what that symbolizes to him the discovery of that the creation of it the cloning of dinosaurs all of that has shown that it was never something that was supposed to have been and it has led to the deaths of multiple people and he's in this situation now where he is he has to look back on on his failure and live with the guilt you know that people had died because of his uh, kind of hubris so
1: it's an interesting moment you know that that we're talking about here. We get uh, you know where are all of our characters going to go? All of our characters here are going back to confidentiality agreements. And this, uh, you, you know, the need for paleontology will still be there because the rest of the world is not going to know about what happened here on East Nublar. But our two paleontologists here are going to have to, you know, how are they going to handle keeping this a secret and knowing that what they're talking about to their students and to the rest of the you know world of paleontology is is kind of nil at this point. Um, you know, what is, what is Ian Malcolm going to do if, if he's got to go back and continue to preach his theory of chaos while having witnessed it firsthand? I mean, he has firsthand proof of the truth of this theory. And he can't tell anybody about it. He can't say, check it out. I am the guy who has completely proven that this theory is legit. It's interesting that The Lost World starts off with Malcolm having broken the confidentiality agreement because he sees past you know what's he sees what's really important here and it's kind of a reverse of what hammond says earlier and and in this case malcolm is not asking that people pay for their mistakes but he is blaming them and so it's i think if there's any character and perspective that would have been interesting to see where it where it would have gone it's his uh you also get children uh two children who have to be handle you know keeping a secret and keeping a secret that is very dark. And, you know, the, how, how the hell does a kid have to deal with that? And then we get uh, Hammond. And how is he going to continue with anything? You know, so are, are they, whenever he's about to board the helicopter, those bellowing brachiosaur that we hear in the distance, uh, are they singing, as Tim said earlier, when they were in the tree? Or are they crying out for their father, who, mm-hmm. kind of like Dr. Frankenstein, has to abandon them? So I think that's just one more uh analogy. You know, maybe this book is even closer to Frankenstein than we had thought. And these things are, you know, crying out like, you know, where is our creator? Where are you going? What's what is next for us? You know? How how are we gonna handle this? So everybody here is trying to figure out how they're gonna handle the future and it really makes for a bleak ending. But yeah, so okay, so whereas we do get a happy ending, the, the heroes are saved. They get to fly off to safety and they're gonna live. We still get this tragedy uh that's very much still there and It's no better uh, displayed than the creator looking upon this simple thing that started it all, and that's the mosquito. And it's literally encased forever, you know, could very well be resurrected, and there's nothing he can do about it. You know, he can't ever do that, so he's just going to have to sit here, basically, and continue to stare at this thing, which is... I don't want to say it's mocking him, but it's going to constantly... be saying like this is you know this is what could have been and it all started with me this little this little mosquito that's been here for millions and millions and millions of years and there's nothing you can do about it so okay whereas we do get to see this one lead character kind of tragically stuck in time we get to see another who is moving forward in time and he has evolved and that is grant that's right and we get the the cute you know family image of him with the kids who are it's it's kind of funny that they've all just crashed you know, yeah. totally asleep after everything they have been through. And this family moment, this image, uh, it's spelt out just enough without being too overly on the nose. Um, you know, there's no dialogue, there's no monologue, there's no, yeah, I think I could do this. And uh, it's the same positioning that we saw him with the kids in the tree and then him standing over the eggs. So it's just one more um, little cue to to this being, you know, an evolution. Mm-hmm. And so... Whereas I think there is another ending that could have just ended with him flying away in the helicopter into the sunset. We don't get that here. We get him having this like little kind of personal moment where he looks out and sees the birds and has his, you know, his little theory of the evolution of dinosaurs into birds is it's just kind of right there. Yeah. And uh, so it's, I don't know. It's a very poignant ending. It's a very low key and personal ending. And probably, the, I think, the best ending that they could have gone for with this movie. Yeah. And the only thing that would have killed it would have been if the birds were CGI. But, uh, but no, that doesn't kill it. What kills it is the cameraman's hair that's in front of the camera lens. You're kidding. For
0: that very last, very last shot. See, the thing that from the last shot that took me out of it was the fact that John Hammond's all of a sudden switched sides of the helicopter. Yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> we, we you but, know when they get in the helicopter he's sitting on I guess from the uh, perspective of the helicopter would be the left-hand side and then the camera shows him or, or a person dressed like him in all white on the right-hand side of the helicopter. So that was yeah. pretty funny, but Yeah, yeah, it's 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 so, a nice little moment of no dialogue for anybody. You know that we get mm-hmm. John Hammond staring off into that amber, we get Ellie and Grant making eye contact and Grant kind of looking at the kids both sleeping and not being like, "Ooh, gross kids." He's kind of like Enjoying his newfound role as a surrogate father figure for the two of them, and we don't get anything at all from Ian Malcolm to ruin the moment. So it's just kind of <laughs> everybody's there in the helicopter, you know, being led off to safety. But uh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I,
1: I well, Malcolm's gonna get uh, he's
0: gonna get his own moment. He, he gets his whole sequel. He gets his whole, so. Yeah, he's he's the star of the second movie. So um, a little bit too much of him, maybe in that movie. Some might say, but uh, yeah, it's it's cool too that we get to see the shot of the pelicans there flying out the window. You know, that uh, to have that reminder that even though. All these dinosaurs, or the majority of them on the island, are about to die of a uh, lysine deficiency that we do at least have dinosaurs still walking amongst us, and they are just uh, little canaries and bluebirds yeah. and pelicans and things like that, not uh, maybe giant behem- behemoths that'll, you know, eat your head. But, yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's a very nice shot. I don't know if it was serendipitous that they actually just, like, found these pelicans uh, when they were shooting some of the helicopter stuff and decided to splice it in there, but I think it's a nice poignant little end to the, to the movie. Yeah, and, you know... We're getting an
1: ending to the movie here that's this little quiet moment that's for nobody other than Alan. It's not the group leaving. It's not, uh, it's not a focus on Hammond or anything. This just kind of goes to further prove not prove, but um, further display the idea that we've had that this is Alan Grant's movie. This is Alan Grant's story. It's not the story necessarily of the cloning of dinosaurs and a group of people who have to... You know, uh, fight for their lives. You know, no. This is a movie about a guy in the way that, say, Forced Gump would be a movie about a character. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, I think, for me anyway, very much a movie about one character and his evolution. And this is sort of the just wrapping all of that up. And um, it's there's no better way that it could have been done than right here with John Williams' just beautiful music and Sam Neill's subtlety as an actor you know, the, the, uh, the, the beautiful sunset that they're riding off into the way that the music just kind of goes along with the bird coasting along over the water. Yeah. Uh, it's just all these elements that add up to, to make such a beautiful ending to this. Yeah, movie. it is. It, it's and, kind of uh, a perfect
0: mixture of all the elements here.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I want to talk a little bit more about movies by minutes and everything, but I, I hate that the movie kind of has to end so abruptly, but the movie does have kind of an abrupt ending, uh, they ride off into the sunset, and there's no aftermath. Whereas in the book, there's a lot of aftermath. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just kind of a strange downbeat ending, um, and the, you know I'm just happy that the movie didn't go with that. It, this this movie plays itself like it, it could just be a one and done. Right. It doesn't. It, there's nothing I hate more than when a movie is like, oh, check it out, the story's not over. There could be a sequel. Which you could have easily done in this movie. That's going to be a multi, you know, just a huge blockbuster success. You think that they would have said, "Okay, we got to set this thing up to to have a sequel," but they don't. The filmmakers keep it um, as its own. They keep seeing it as its own thing, and that just adds to the level of class that the filmmakers are, you know, have on display here. The, this movie is never so in your face that it's you can tell it's full of itself. It's a very um, It's a movie that's made with a lot of respect. And I've always given it credit for Well, this for
0: was a part of the time period, too, where when a film was made, that sequels and trilogies weren't really a given thing. You know, like, if the first now if the first movie hits really hard, they go ahead and they set up three more after that. It, you know, yeah. the first one's great, that's fantastic, but you could very easily misstep in the second one and then all hopes of a third one are dashed, which for a while seemed like it was the fate of Jurassic Park. But no need to revisit it. We kind of got everything we needed in this first movie. But sometimes movies have deeper themes that, you know, could have more... Uh, d- a level of discovery, or you know, we could delve it back into themes or characters or you know stories and 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 flesh out the world. And I know that they're talking about doing a Matrix reboot now, which could possibly be cool. I could see more movies set in the Matrix u- Matrix universe. I think that they've got enough of a good area to come back and fix a lot of the problems that those sequels had. So, yeah, sure, I'll see another Matrix movie. Why not? But <laughs> with Jurassic Park, yeah. it seems like a lot of the themes in this film were solved. That everything was kind of like wrapped up pretty nicely and I don't know that the right. other films really tried to jump back into thematically dealing with some of the stuff that they had addressed in the first one so
1: I think that's where the problem is with the sequels and granted how can you do that how can you open that back up uh the lost world you know tries to do it I you know it's it's not really there for me the third one doesn't really Try to do it, and it doesn't even ask to do it. It's, yeah, it's, it's a straight-up you know, action movie. It's a fun yeah. movie. Yeah, a straight-up action movie, and that's fine. Um, Jurassic World kind of has some of those elements in it, but I think the thing that makes Jurassic Park stand out is, one, its sense of awe, and two, that it's asking all of these, these questions and presenting all these problems and uh, philosophical issues, but it's very, very, very tricky. How do you do that with a sequel? Mm-hmm. How do you do that with a follow-up? You, you can't just kind of go back and reopen that and I think that's what, I think that's why you're never gonna get this again. Why you're never gonna get Jurassic Park again, is because you you can't do that. You can't touch on these things a second time. The, the questions have already been asked. And so I, I think it's for me anyway, and probably a large majority of people, why this movie is the best in the series, yeah. is is because it has those things going on, and it's not just a movie about dinosaurs chasing people. There's no way that you can make another Jurassic Park film without that. Right. Without, without dinosaurs chasing people. Uh, Good Morning America did a... I think it was Good Morning America did a um, special on the set of Jurassic World while it was being produced. And, you know, they showed some of the set. They had interviews with Bryce Dallas Howard and Colin Trevorrow, and they were talking to Chris Pratt. And he was saying, you know, this is a movie about a, a park that has dinosaurs in it. And believe it or not, things don't go that well. <laughs> and so I think that's kind of you know this uh, you know you could say that about every Jurassic film that's you know coming up in the future is that it's going to have to have that element i would love to see a movie that doesn't yeah. how does man share this planet with dinosaurs you know what part do they play in our everyday lives is probably the the best way you could go with a film that is going to be about dinosaurs without necessarily just being about them chasing and eating people so That's that's why I think this film stands out one from the rest, but as well as so many other movies and action movies and adventure films is that it's first and foremost uh, a movie that presents philosophical issues and problems and then has, you know, an action movie as its backdrop, so to speak. Uh, I've never seen it done quite as well as I have in Jurassic Park.
0: It's very satisfying to have both of those things packaged together. Big questions that you can chew on, as well as a visual treat for your eyes. You know, it's at least that—that's yeah. something that you can think about when you leave the theater for the for a while afterwards. You know, you, you might go back to see it again because of the visual spectacle, but you'll probably walk away from it and you know have a drink of coffee with some of your friends and talk about the philosophies of the movie and you know, uh, expand on that kind of stuff. So uh, when, when when a film hits both of those, I think it really hits for me. That's the kind of film that I will revisit often. So, which I plan mm-hmm. to rewatch Jurassic Park and then, hell, maybe when we're done with this. So, um, yeah. And that's an,
1: another thing too, is like, my favorite moments in the film are the when they're sitting around the, in the mm-hmm. VIP lounge and discussing the rights and wrongs and everything. That's a scene that I am just, you know, completely uh, just wrapped up in and focusing on the whole time, anything like that is what really I take away from the movie and the things that always really get my attention more so than, you know, the Raptors in the kitchen, which again is awesome. And, uh, you know, to this day, whenever I watch the T-Rex scene, it's, you still get anxious and you still get nervous. Um, But the the things that I do find myself thinking of and going over more is, uh, is these issues that the film philosophical issues and, rights and wrongs that the film the questions that the film asks uh and and here in our last moments our last minutes of the movie they're being asked in that shot of Hammond you know tragically looking into uh at the mosquito encased in amber in his cane and it just that one shot asks so many questions and it it makes you start asking yourself how do I feel how would I feel about this if I
0: was in Hammond's Mm -hmm. place right here well, it's definitely yielded a lot of fun conversations and a lot of stuff to chew on, and I really hope that people have enjoyed hearing us talk about it. So, yeah, Jurassic Park, great film.
1: <laughs> it's a it's a great film. It's never gotten old, even after six months of talking about it every day. And like like we're saying, I could literally go sit down and
0: watch this movie right now, and it would hold my attention. That's the one thing... That I hope that if, if we do do that, if we sit down and we watch the movie again and we realize something and be like, oh, man, it's too bad we're still not doing the podcast. We could have talked about this other thing, you know. And, you know, that kind of moves into the whole idea of hosting a Movies by Minutes
1: show is is the questions. You know, it's it's the responsibility of doing yeah. one of these things. There's the responsibility of did I, did I do it justice, you know, did it meet the listener's expectations. And there's no way to ever fully do that because there is so much going on in a movie that you you're just not going to think at that time to cover it. You know, we cover we do these we do these things and we cover these movies because we love the movie and because it calls to us and because you know, we have this opportunity to articulate something that we've always thought but we can never really put into words. Uh but it's it's you know, until this format, this Movies by Minutes format has kind of given us the opportunity. And for that, I am eternally grateful. So, to the the people who kind of got the ball rolling with all of this, and uh, to the people who are currently carrying it on, and to the new guys who are coming up, which seems like there's more and more of every yeah. day, you know, uh, I, I thank you for sure. And Movies by Minutes has become just like a huge part of my life, both as a creator and as a listener. In fact, I think I put more time into movies by minutes, uh, than I do anything else. And it's even gotten in the way of my work (laughs) before my career before. Yeah. And I love it. And I I wouldn't take that back. Uh, And I wouldn't trade all of this experience for anything. And so, um, I, I know that it's, it's gotten in the way of your work a lot as well. So,
0: yeah, it's funny yeah. when we when we started doing the movies by minute podcast. Like I just had a very small part time job, and uh, the industry I, ha- I was in prior had really kind of collapsed and has kind of slowly been coming back since we started doing the podcast. But of course, in the middle of Jurassic Park minute, I got a job offer that I couldn't turn down, and I just had to you know take off and do it. And it has been a lot of work uh, that I enjoy doing, and I enjoy doing this podcast. But we've kind of come to a point where it's like you know I've got to figure out a way to make both work. And at the moment, uh, Jurassic Park is ending. Jurassic Park minute is ending. Kind kind of at a good time for that to happen. So uh you'll be going down to just one podcast <laughs> at this point too. So and yeah. that's going to be a lot easier on you yeah. but uh, it's, it's been a, it's been a very fun journey. It has been completely worth the time we put into it. And, uh, I would love to do it again at some point in the future when a little bit more free time opens up or, you know, maybe we're able to plan things so that, um, you know, we have a large chunk of it done before we actually launch it. But, you know, we're not saying that we're done with uh, podcasts yeah. completely at all. In fact, I think it's the opposite. I think we're just going to take a little break for a little while and maybe get back to it in the future. So Kyle, do you have anything else? You want to add to Jurassic Park Minute? That's kind of how I feel about everything. Had a lot of fun doing this. I'm uh, looking forward to doing more Movies by Minute podcasts in the in the near future. And uh, more than anything else, I uh, just want to thank everybody for coming along with us and listening to the show and giving us all the positive feedback. I think this entire time we haven't really had anybody with anything mean to say. It's just been supportive stuff. And we really hope that you guys have enjoyed the show because, you know, we've, we've made it for the listeners out there who enjoy Jurassic Park. And, you know, also I want to say real quick, if you're coming to this Uh, years after we finished producing it thank you for finding it and whatever source brought you to this i really appreciate them pointing you in this direction but uh uh, this has been a lot of fun and i think it has been a thoroughly enjoyable and fulfilling journey so thank you for everyone who's come along with us
1: absolutely i think that might be my final sentiment as well so thanks for listening everybody and and keep in touch and go watch jurassic park this movie never never gets old and and yeah, I, I am going to go watch it right now. Actually, Before I start editing, I'm going to go watch it. Okay.
0: <laughs> All right, folks, we are going to get out of here. Thank you so much for joining us this entire time. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. You may now let go of your butts.